glad to get y'all laughing a little because we're talking about money. Ah, <laughs> we are going to talk. We've been on a, um, what do you call that? What's that word for when you keep talking? Thank you, series. Forget simple words. So we've been on a series about rescue, and today's title is Rescue My Finances. Um, and don't get nervous. Like, you don't have to hold your wallet extra tight. We're not going to take up a special offering after this. This is really just, um, I want to help you with the way that we think about money. I am not, like, there's a lot of really successful business people that do great things for the kingdom of God, and I love their gifting. I love their calling. I feel like they are some of the most trustworthy people on the earth. When God can entrust a man or a woman with finances and say, this is for you to build my kingdom, I feel like that's that is an awesome ministry and calling. That's not my calling. I just am somebody, a little old girl who God, I feel like, has found to be a faithful steward with money. And so I want to help you today learn how to steward your money well. Amen? So you guys aren't nervous anymore now, right? All right. So we're going to dig right in. Um, I did miss the bow. It's not the people's fault in the back that there's no words on the screen. That's my fault. So I'm just going to take ownership and say, sorry, no Bible verses on the screen. Hopefully you have your Bible and you can just open it or you can take notes as we read. Um, let's take a moment. We're going to pause and I'm just going to pray that God would open our hearts to what he has to say this morning. Father, we love you. And Papa, I am so thankful for the opportunity to to come to you, God, to be entrusted with your beautiful and powerful word. And God, just make me a vessel of honor today, Father. I pray that you would anoint my words. Let wisdom come forth from your spirit through me. And give us all an open heart, Lord, to receive what you have for each and every one of us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, somewhere along today's message, you might get, like, a little convicted. And I just want to help y'all and tell you it's okay to be a little convicted, right? Convicted just means you're convinced in your heart that there's something that needs to be changed. It's a lot different than condemnation, which you, you know something needs to be changed, but you feel this, like, oppression that you'll never make it to that point, right? That's, like, con condemn condemnation. It causes you to feel like you can't rise and you're never going to make it. Where conviction is so different, it draws us to the heart of God. It leads us to a place called repentance where we can change the way we think about a subject. Amen. And just ask for forgiveness. And so today... I want to encourage you, if you feel convicted in your heart, anywhere along this message where you're like, oh, yeah, like, it's okay. Like, take a breath and remember God loves you, he is for you, and he wants to help you in every area of your life, including finances. So to start this morning, I want to read from, I'm going to read um, several verses from Matthew chapter 14. If you want to go there with me, you can. I'm going to read from verses 13 through 21. And it says, now when Jesus heard it, and it's talking about John the Baptist's death, he withdrew from there into a boat to a lonely place by himself. And the, when the multitudes heard of this, they followed him on foot from the cities. And when he went ashore, he saw a large crowd, and he felt compassion for them. And he healed their sick. When it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, the place is desolate, and the hour is already late. Send the crowds away, that they may go into the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said to them, they don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. And they said, 
And they said to him, we only have here five loaves and two fish. And he said, bring them here to me. Ordering the people to sit down on the grass, he took the five loaves and the two fish. And looking up toward heaven, he blessed the food. And breaking the loaves, he gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowds. And they all ate and were satisfied. They picked up what was left over of the broken pieces, 12 baskets full. And there were about 5,000 men who ate, besides women and children. So I'm going to take a detour for a minute and tell y'all a funny story, because I think that's what cool preachers do. So I almost swallowed my gum. I'm so sorry. (laughs) Um, I was reading this and I had this moment where I'm like, God, like that was a lot of fish sandwiches. I wonder if the seagulls were flying around because they were by the seashore. So the funny story is um, when we lived in Florida, Jeff and I often would take a weekend and we would go away to Clearwater Beach and um, just, you know, hang out at the beach for a day or two. And And I'm thrifty. I'm talking about finances, right? So I'm pretty good at saving money. And so instead of eating out, we'd usually pack our lunches and pack our sandwiches. And it was probably peanut butter because that's cheap. And so I'm standing there one day and eating, I think it was a peanut butter sandwich, and I'm just enjoying the beach and doing my own thing, eating my sandwich, and all of a sudden, man, you got to watch out for those seagulls if y'all are used to going to the beach. The seagulls started to come, and I mean, it wasn't like one or two two seagulls. It was like they were invading. They, they were coming after me, and I start seeing them, and my husband is sitting on the blanket, like, chill and relaxing with a little, our kids. They were smaller at the time, and I'm like, I wonder if my son, Kai, remembers this. I'm like running with my sandwich, like, back and forth. I'm like, honey, they're coming after me, and I'm running. He's like, honey, throw the sandwich. Just throw the sandwich, and I'm like, I don't know what to do, and I run into the water. I dive into the ocean with my sandwich and I finally think throw the sandwich as I'm now in the ocean and the whole crowd of people who are sitting on the seashore are having the time of their lives watching this crazy lady with her peanut butter sandwich so that was just a side note because it's just funny baby thank you next time I know to throw the sandwich I don't right away I don't you don't have to like wait till you jump in the water just get rid of the food because the seagulls will come and get it all right okay so a few things that I want to take away from this story. I love what God teaches us through this. And um, the main thing that we see through this is that God is provider, right? He's like, don't send the people away. You don't have to do that. Like, show me what you got. But there is a way that Jesus maneuvers this situation, a way that he flows in this situation that I feel like teaches us something about our way of thinking of money. And the first is that when they told Jesus... <clears throat> Like, where are we going to get food to feed all these people? What was the first thing Jesus told them? He said, what do you have? What do you have? Give me what you have. And so that's the first thing that I want to teach you today when it comes to finance, is that we need to give God what we have. And that doesn't mean, like, put all your money in the offering. It means that you need to have a mentality that everything I have is God's, right? Like everything I have. I realize the money that's in my bank account, the things that I own, Lord, they are yours. When you begin to shift your mentality and think about the fact that everything you have is really God's and you give it to him, you go from an ownership mentality to a stewardship mentality, realizing that you've been entrusted with something and God is trustworthy enough for you to give it back to him. 
The next thing that we see from this story is that when they handed it back to Jesus, Jesus did what with it? He blessed it. Somebody said it. He blessed it. He looked up to heaven with what they had given him, food representing our resources, right? And he blessed it. And then what did he do? He handed it back to them. So we can trust God with what we have. We can give it to him. And then what he does in return, he blesses it. He puts it back in our hands as a steward. And then we have the ability to share with others what God has given us. And as we do that, it is what? Multiplied. Multiplication happened in the hands of the disciples. It didn't happen in the hands of Jesus. How would he have held on to all them fish and all of those loaves of bread? It happened as they distributed what God gave them. So we can shift, right? And we can have the mentality of a steward. God, everything that you have given to me, I realize is yours. My talents, my time, and my wealth, it all belongs to you. Father, I give it to you. And as you do that, God blesses it. He hands it back to you, and you get to be a faithful steward of what he's entrusted you with. Can you say amen? My second point this morning is that um, God wants us to trust him. We can trust him with our wealth. You know, Matthew chapter 6, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but it teaches us, the Bible teaches us, Jesus teaches us. He says that we don't have to worry about our clothes. This morning I was a little worried about my shoes. I wasn't sure what shoes to wear with my cute new outfit. I almost called Kelsey, but I didn't. thought I could get away with these shoes. But he tells us we don't have to worry about our clothing. We don't have to worry about our food, that he is a faithful provider. And I love how he explains it to us. He says, like, do you see the lilies of the valley? Like, have you seen them in all of their beauty? Do you see the birds of the air? And then he looks in that same, in that, in that same passage and he says, you are of so much more worth than those sparrows and then those flowers. Look how I take care of them. I want to take care of you. Amen. That is the God that we serve. He is a faithful provider and he wants to take care of your needs. Um, Betty, I'm going to just share your story real quick. Can I do that? So Betty actually texted us, and I knew that she had been having car trouble over the last um, while, maybe a month or so, or her vehicle wasn't working properly. She was having problems. Um, she thought it was one thing, turned out not to be that, but she was nervous about driving her car. And just this past week, she sent Pastor Jeff and I, and I know Ginger had been praying as well. I think she also sent Ginger a message showing us and telling us how God provided a new vehicle for her. Amen? So she did not have what it took, but God had what it took. And he's so faithful. He blessed her with a new vehicle. That is our God, our provider. Um, in this, I want to talk about, you know, sometimes uh, we have areas where we feel really strong and it's easy for us to trust God, and sometimes we have areas where it feels hard for us to trust God with money. And I'll just share with you, um, a lot of that depends on, like, how you grew up, like, what your thinking was, what your home life was like when it came to money. And I grew up in a very poor environment, like, we struggled growing up. We ran out of food sometimes, and we got food many times from the food shelf. Um, I can remember one time as a kid, I don't know why that memory just stuck with me, but not having any food to eat. Uh, we lived in a shelter for a while. We just really struggled growing up. I had a single mom. 
she tried really hard, but life was hard. And so when I graduated high school, I, I gave my life to Jesus when I was 16 before I graduated. And I began to live for him in every area. One of those included my finances, right? So I learned how to give to God. And honestly, it was a joy for me because I was, like, learning to trust God as daddy. But um, I can remember graduating from high school and not ever thinking that college was even, like, an option because I thought, like, I really just need to help my mom honestly to get food on the table and to make sure that, like, we have dinner in our house regularly. And I worked at a grocery store called Albertsons, and I remember watching certain people um, that grocery shop that just really knew how to shop. Like, they knew how to, like, buy good deals. And at Albertsons, they probably don't have this anymore, but back in the day, they had this thing where, like, if some thing was expired and you found the expiration date you could have it for free and man we had some women who would just take the store and like spend probably a whole hour like looking for the expired stuff and they would check out with like $300 worth of free groceries and we'd have to give it to them it was kind of cool I was like I want to be like you (laughs) but I work here I can't do that um (laughs) so anyways um like growing up and becoming an adult I had to learn like how do I trust God with money? Like, and one of the things when we have a poverty mentality is we really don't look beyond where you are right now. Like the thought for a lot of people that they could ever own a home or have a job where they're not like barely making it, it's so far out there for a lot of people that it's not something they're grabbing towards. And so it's important to understand that when you're loving on people, right? And when you're helping people. But So at that time, I worked at a grocery store, and I had tried to get a second job that was, like, not working out for me. I was a waitress. Any waitresses in here, you are amazing. It's really hard, and I wasn't good at it. So anyways, um, somebody came up to me in my church, and, you know, they must have just saw some gold in me that I didn't see in myself. And they said, you know, I work for this resort in sales, and I think you would be really good at it. They're hiring right now. I want you to come and apply for this job. And I remember in that moment thinking, like, like, whoa, like, that sounds kind of big for me. I've never done anything like that before. I wouldn't know what to do. But I thought to myself, like, I was newly born. I thought, well, I'm God's daughter. I can do this. I can pretty much do anything. And so I decided I was just going to go into that interview with confidence. So I went with confidence. I got hired, and I started making about three times more an hour what I made previously. And, you know, God so showed me his faithfulness in that. And so I want to encourage some of you here today, if you're in a position where you feel stuck in your workplace or what you're doing, like, don't be afraid to go for more. Like, don't be afraid to stretch your horizon and to think big and to dream big because God is such a God of an abundance. He is an abundant God, and he wants to give you creative ideas on how to make wealth and how to trust him with your wealth. Amen? Um, Another part of that poverty mentality is you really think like a victim. Um, It's so important, friends, that we, in our mindsets, think as victors and not victims. No matter how hard life has been, no matter how many times you've been treated unjustly, you have to get up and there has to be something inside of you that says, no, I am a victor. I will overcome. I am made for more. I will arise. Amen? And so that is so true in the area of making money and wealth. Um, the next thing I want to share with you guys is uh, there's a scripture in 2 Peter 2.19. I want to read it to you. It says, uh, for, what, for by what a man is overcome, 
By this he is enslaved. Think about that for a minute. I've shared with you guys the verse where Paul says, I won't be mastered by anything. So it says, 2 Peter 2.19, it says, For by what a man is overcome, by this he is enslaved. Meaning, whatever has you has actually made you its slave. That's kind of hard, right? Like, recently I realized Facebook had me, to be honest. I had to give Facebook a little break. My husband would tease me and be like, are you on Facebook again? And I thought it was no big deal. And then I started realizing, like, whenever I had two or three minutes downtime, it wasn't that I was on there for long periods of time, but it became my go-to. Anybody have, like, a go-to, what you just do in your downtime? And I realized I was flipping to Facebook, like, all the time on my downtime. So I was like, God, I'm not sure if this is a problem, but I don't want anything to master me. So I'm going to step away for a while and see. And I'll tell you, sometimes it's not until you step away from something that you realize how much control it has over you. Because I stepped away from Facebook, and I realized that my finger had this muscle memory. And I asked Kelsey, I'm like, how do I, I need to log out. So, Because I never logged out. So I logged out of Facebook. That way, if I accidentally pushed it, I wouldn't be in there again. And it's so good that I did that. Because without exaggerating, I could tell you I probably clicked that button like 20 times after logging out without even thinking I'm going to Facebook. It was just like muscle memory on my phone. I just would tap it. And so I'm determined nothing's going to have me more than God. So... Facebook and I have broke up for a little while. We'll be back in a, in a while, I'm sure, once it doesn't have a hold on me. So, but money has a hold on so many people. By whatever a man is overcome, by that he is enslaved to. And so I have some questions for you guys that I just want you to think about in all honesty. Like, I'm not in your brain judging you this morning. This is between you and God. And I have some questions I feel like the Lord helped me to come up with to find out if we're slaves to our money. You know, money should be our servant and not, uh, our, and not our master. Thank you. Money should be our servant and not our master. It should serve us well and not master us. So the first question I have for you is how much, does, how much control does money have over you? What would you do for money? So there's a lot of people with a lot of integrity, but when it comes to money, if they can lie a little, stretch the truth a little, if it's going to make them more money, they'll do it. And so you need to ask yourself that question. What would I do for a little more money? And see if there's any truth in there for you. The next question is how many times, how much time do you spend thinking about things that you want or things that you don't have? And I'm going to just give you an example of this. So when we bought our new house that we're in now, um, I was so excited. Like, it was really a blessing from the Lord. And uh, it was made possible because the other house that we bought when we first moved here was, like, a really wise decision. And, and through that house, we built a lot of equity. We were able to get this new house. Um, and there were still some things when I moved into the new house that I wanted to do right away, like some new flooring, some paint, all that's good. So we got that done. I was excited, got into a new house, and then it was like I found myself consistently always when I walked through my house thinking about what I want to do next. Like, oh, I don't like that trim. That trim's not good enough. Oh, I really don't care for those cabinets. I'd like to do that. Oh, my bathroom has a blue sink. I really hate the blue sink. And I caught myself. Like, I realized I am consistently, instead of thinking, wow, 
I have this new blessing of this new house. Instead, I was thinking more often about what I didn't have in that house or what I wanted, the money I wanted to spend on doing new things to the house. Does that make sense? So it's not that there's anything wrong. I still want to paint my trim and get new cabinets or paint my cabinets. But I don't let myself stay there and continually think of those things. Instead, I've trained my mind to look through my house and think and remember like where God brought me from. And to remember how blessed I am. That is so, guys, that happens so often. It happens with our vehicles. It happens with our homes. We think what we have is really nice. And then we get together with a friend who has something nicer. And then all of a sudden what we have is not that nice anymore. Come on, let's be honest. Isn't that just real? That's just real life, guys. That shouldn't be. The scriptures tell us that godliness with contentment is great gain godliness with contentment. It doesn't mean that we can't have a desire to have like a new car or a nice house. It means that things can't have us, right? Like it shouldn't be that it occupies all of our space or energy thinking about what we want or what we don't have. We got to train ourselves to just be thankful and grateful and enjoy the moment and the blessings that God's put before us. The next one is, um, do you spend more than you make? That's like a pretty simple question, but a lot of Americans spend a lot more money than what they make. And so it's good to have a budget. You know, it's good to have a budget. I remember we, years before we moved here, which God totally set us up. I'm so thankful for that. Um, I didn't, we didn't know a whole lot about money, and we just did the best with what we had, tried to be faithful and, and give and pay our bills and those kinds of things. But we had a friend who was an investor. Um, he was actually just a very wise man in so many areas. He um, was actually an architect. Uh, and he was also a chocolatier, and he also like was like a black belt, and he, he was like the funnest friend ever, Joey, right? And so one of the things that Joey did is he also learned to be a good investor and to teach people about money. So Joey began to teach us, and we learned some things from reading some books, and um, just learned that it was really important to like know how much money you're spending, and there's resources that you can get, sometimes putting money in an envelope, and saying, you know what, we've paid our bills, we've given what we wanted to give, we've got you know, $200 left for the week that we're going to spend, or for you, maybe it's $2,000 that you're going to spend on X, Y, Z, but not spending more than what you're making. Amen? Um, the next question is, is, so, is spending money something you do to relieve stress? I eat chocolate to relieve stress. I don't have that problem. <laughs> I'm working on that one, too. Chocolate can't master me either. So, um, yeah, is spending money something you do to relieve stress? When you're stressed, are you like, man, I got to go shop? Like, I don't have any friends personally that I know do that, but I used to have someone I know who did that. And I remember asking her, like, how does your husband feel about, like, your credit card debt? And she's like, oh, he doesn't know. <gasps> like, she just maxed out credit cards, like, shopping. And I'm sure that's none of y'all, none of you do that, but... When you are stressed, go to God. Amen. Let him be the one that we empty our hearts to, not a Target or Walmart <laughs> or Broadway stores. There's not a lot of options in Alex, so it's probably not that big of a problem here. Um, the next one is, <laughs> do, you, do you overwork? I've heard it said before that time is the great equalizer. You can write that down. That's kind of come up with that. I heard it said time is the great equalizer. 
We've all started with different amounts of favor in our lives from different things, but time is the great equalizer. We all have the same amount of hours in a day, and um, some people really pour all their time into working and then have nothing left to give their families when they're done. And really all their families want is their time. So I want to encourage you guys, know how much is too much. Proverbs, I'm going to read to you from Proverbs 23, verses 4 and 5. It says, don't wear yourself out to get rich. It's pretty, pretty black and white here. Don't wear yourself out to get rich. Be wise enough to know when to quit. In the blink of an eye, wealth disappears, for it will sprout wings and fly away like an eagle. Okay? Next is, how much debt do you have? Now, I know debt is something that, like, most of us have, and there's not condemnation here about this. People have a, ran into different problems. Sometimes there's medical expenses, different things that have caused debt. But I want to encourage you guys that debt is a bondage. And you really, there's two things you can do if you have a lot of debt. The first is, like, mix your faith in there and begin to ask God, to help you to get out of debt. Begin to apply your faith, right, and believe God that he's going to supernaturally provide for you and help you to get out of debt. The second is make a plan. Make a plan to pay off debt. Um, Jeff and I, when we lived in Florida, we, uh, and even now, really, we have never made a whole lot of money. Like, we've never been super wealthy or, or made a lot of money. We've made a pretty average to sometimes low income, to be quite honest. Um, but God has just always been so faithful in our lives when it came to money and helped us. And so when we learned about money, one of the first things that we learned was to get rid of debt, which we did. And then the second thing was to build up a $1,000 um, expense account, emergency savings account. And I remember at that time thinking like $1,000 in a savings account is a lot of money. I've never had um, $1,000 in a savings account before. Um, but we got there. We got there little by little, putting away what we could, each check when we could, right? We had a plan. The second thing on that, or the next thing on that list of what we were learning when it came to money was to build up a th at least a three-month um, savings account of, what was that called? Living expenses, three months worth of your living expenses in case you were to lose your job or there was an emergency that happened, a crisis that happened, you would have money in there. And I remember thinking, that's a lot of money. Like, wow, but you know what, guys? We did it. We got there. And it was so exciting. I thought, oh, my gosh, I cannot believe that we have this amount of money in a savings account. And you know what part of the fun was of having that amount of money saved is that we had, which leads me to our next question, how hard is it for you to give? Like, do you find joy in giving? Or when you hear about an opportunity to give, do you kind of like cringe and get nervous? Um, when we were in that place where we'd saved our money and we actually had, I think we had $1,000 in an envelope that we were getting ready to deposit into our savings account. And we had a couple good friends of ours at our house um, and we were just having conversation and they began to really open their hearts and just be like vulnerable with us and tell us that they had gotten a situation where they were really financially devastated and they were about to lose their house. They didn't have, they rented their house but and their mortgage was about $1,000 and uh, they just didn't have what it took to to pay their rent and they were about to get kicked out of their house and 
Jeff and I like stepped away for a minute and we were so excited. I looked at him and I think he looked back at me. We probably had the same idea at the same time. We're like, baby, like we have a thousand dollars extra that we could actually just give them and bless them and pay their rent for them. And like that was probably the, the biggest gift to that point that I had ever given someone. But he was all for it. I was all for it. And we got to just hand them an envelope with $1,000 in that moment to pay their rent. And they were so grateful and they were so excited. But you know, we would not have been able to do that had we had not taken steps financially to get into the position that we could do that, right? It could have just been our heart, like we'd really like to help you, but we can't. But we got ourselves into a financial situation by having a plan and having God's help with time to be able to bless our friends and give them what they needed to not lose their, their house. And that was so exciting. So I want to encourage you guys. That's the close of my message today. I want to encourage you guys, you know, no matter what state you're in, I know everyone that's in here is in a different financial situation. Some of you in here, you're, maybe you're really struggling, and the message that God wants you to take home is that God is more than enough. Like, you can trust him with your money. You can put it in his hands, allow him to bless it, give it back to you, and then you could steward it faithfully. Amen. Some of you in here, you've already made a lot of light wise steps, and, you know, God has put great wealth in your hands. You can ask God, God, how can I become even more faithful so that you can give me more? Recently, um, a couple experiences I've had recently that really just, I know in the beginning I talked about honoring, you know, people in business and how I think it's such a great gift when God can entrust people with wealth. I really, truly believe that's like a gift because how many of you know that you've got to start like small? Like, if you can't give somebody $100, like a friend $100, when you know, like, they're really low on groceries, then you're not going to be able to give them 1000 one day. Like, you've got to start small. Maybe for you it's $10. Like, have an extra $10 in your billfold that if you come across somebody and you just want to bless them, it's there, and you can just readily say, here. And after you've done that step, you can move on down to $100. And then maybe one day it'll be $1,000. And then maybe one day it'll be a million dollars. Jeff and I went to the Send. I mean, not the Send, sorry. Jeff and I went to the Bethany Conference last year. And we um, had the honor of going into this meeting where it was really all pastors and business people together in a room, like a conference room. And uh, it was people who support church planning and who have planted churches in other nations where God wants to, like, just demonstrate the kingdom and build churches and grow his kingdom. And as a church, we've been able to do that. But within that room were all these business, wealthy business owners who had in their heart to do the same thing. And I'm going to be honest, like, I felt so honored to be in the midst like in their midst. And I remember hearing a testimony. We heard lots of testimonies. But one of the testimonies we heard was about um, a, to, to plant a church in like a very rural, rural area of the world with Surge. Well, it usually costs, what, about $3,000 to help get that church started for the first year. But then there's really big, big like metro cities where they plant churches. And those cost a lot more money, like thousands upon thousands, up to like a million dollars. They're called strategic plants, church plants in big areas. Um, and we got to hear stories of how there were business leaders who would literally just say, here's a million dollars, like, to start a church. And I was just blown away. I thought, wow, 
Lord, that is so powerful. But do you know that, like, that business owner did not just start there. Like, they started small. And as they were faithful with the little, God trusted them with more. Like, I want to encourage you guys, be faithful with what God's given you, and he's going to make you ruler over much. Amen? Let's all stand up and pray together.